0: Guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I think something that we can all agree on is that we all frown upon things that can be described as boomer behavior. People hating on stuff and frowning on it. Things like the millennials and the Gen Z are ruining the world with their Twitter and their Fortnite and their TikTok and all that jazz. But the boomers might have a thing or two right with the whole TikTok thing. Let me explain. In a conversation, a Facebook Messenger conversation I had with some my bandmates and some other friends of ours, uh, our friend Gabby shared a TikTok video uh, into the chat, and the TikTok video was talking about a apparently a TikTok trend where people are dipping their testicles in soy sauce and are able to taste the soy sauce with their balls, as if they have taste buds on their nuts. And in the video, the guy who was in the video seemed skeptical of it. He did tested it himself, dipped his twig and berries into the soy sauce, and then was very shocked to see that he could taste it. And Gabby, being the uh, humorous person that she is, said that I need one of you guys to try this and prove to me whether it's true or not. And upon seeing this video, I thought, Tasting things with your balls that sounds ridiculous. But what if it works? So, me being the enterprising person that I am, decided to grab the soy sauce out of the kitchen, go into my bathroom, take a picture to send it to the group chat for posterity, and give this whole thing a nice test. I figured I was about to shower soon anyway, and it wouldn't hurt to try, and at the very least, this would be funny. So, I go into my shower, soy sauce in hand, I drop trowel, pour a little bit of it in my hand, and cup my fun bags in the most lovingly way possible. And so I waited for the magic to happen. And as I stood there, hand on my balls, covered in soy sauce, just waiting to be able to taste something in my mouth, slowly but surely, the sense of embarrassment... And the sense that this was incredibly freaking stupid started to set in. After a good minute of sitting there, just in the cold bathroom with my balls all nice and saucy, I realized, yep, this isn't going to work. At least not for me. So, I watched it all off. just told the group chat that this was a ridiculous idea and that it does not work. Uh, they all found it pretty humorous. I was glad to give them a little bit of entertainment for their evening. Uh, but then after that, I had another problem on my hands because immediately once I was going to leave the bathroom and return the soy sauce into the pantry, I heard one of my roommates in the kitchen and I had to just hope that whatever they needed in the kitchen didn't require the soy sauce that I had in my hand because the soy sauce was not mine. And I borrowed it for this incredibly stupid reason. And I did not want to have to come walking out of the bathroom just to explain why am I walking out of the bathroom with a bottle of soy sauce. So, case in point, TikTok trends are stupid. and Don't do them. Maybe TikTok and all these other things that we millennials and Gen Z people like really is the whole downfall of humanity. Greetings, Hard and Heavy Music fans. Welcome to episode two of the Heavy Haystack Podcast, a podcast about all things heavy music for music listeners like you. I'm Dante, and I am doing quite all right today. Uh, how are you doing, Podcast Land? I'm recording this currently on Sunday, August 7th, 2022, and I've been recovering from the uh, Storm Toker album release weekend that I've had uh, these past few days. Uh, for those unaware, my band Stormtoker just released our third album, The Mother Tree, uh, that came out this past Friday. And to celebrate it, we did shows, a uh, hometown show on Friday uh, in Lexington, Kentucky at Al's Bar, uh, alongside Artwork for the Blind and Ohm. And then yesterday, on Saturday, August I believe that'd be sixth. Uh, we played a show in Johnson City, Tennessee, at the Hideaway, uh, alongside Griever, and we were supposed to have our friends in the band Windhand, uh, Windrider. Sorry, not Windhand, which we, we don't know the people in Hand personally, uh, but Windrider. Uh, but sadly, they had to bow out due to do some illnesses in the band, so it wound up just being ourselves in Stormtoker and Griever, and it was a real fun weekend. Uh, the drive back from Johnson City was uh, long and arduous, uh, coming back uh, five hours in the middle of the night. Uh, didn't really sleep much on the way. I slept about an hour before it was my turn to drive the rest of the way back. Uh, didn't get back into bed until about 7.30 this morning. Uh, so, yeah, it was a long evening, but its f- f- it was a fun time. And we've been getting a whole lot of good responses from the album so far. A whole lot of positive energy. A lot of uh, our longtime fans and listeners and supporters saying that this is our best album yet. And I'm inclined to agree. Uh, Hopefully, if you haven't checked it out yet, you will like the album as well. You can check out Storm Toker's new album, The Mother Tree, uh, wherever you listen to uh, your music at. Whatever streaming service, be it Spotify, Apple Music, etc., and if you want to pick up a physical CD, you could just go to the Stormtoker Bandcamp at stormtoker.bandcamp.com. Uh, we will have vinyl for that uh, in the coming months. Uh, as you might be already aware of, there is always a backup on vinyl. It takes forever to do. Most of the bigger bands, uh, they push their releases back months and months just to be able to release their vinyl at the same time, but us being a smaller independent band, uh we don't have to follow those rules and we just released the album now and we'll get the vinyl to you when we get it to you. Uh but another good thing, uh now that we've gotten these uh sh- these album release shows out of the way, uh now there's a bit of a break in the action for Stormtoker. We are uh, don't have another show for at least a month. Uh, we don't have another show until around early September, uh, which the details of are still being finalized on that one, uh, which uh, we will have details about that real soon once that's all out. Uh, but for the time being, uh, with this episode, uh, which once again meant to have it out much earlier, uh, but now that things have calmed down with us finally getting the album released, Uh, I'll have a lot more free time uh, to be able to get these podcast episodes worked on and done in a more timely fashion. And this podcast episode was supposed to be an album review episode, uh, the most recent albums to come out. But I figured, like, something I would do, something I've done with the YouTube channel of the Heavy Haystack and also on the TikTok as well is to, uh, have the end of the month or at the start of a new month go over all the uh, my top record picks for the past month and I figured that for this episode we would just have the uh, my top 10 albums of July because uh, I could just go over all the different albums in detail from the past week that I've missed but what you're really here for is to find what's what's good to listen to and what uh other people might think about albums you've already liked and see if your opinion aligns with theirs. So I figured that I would just go over the uh, my top ten picks of albums, and there was a lot of good albums in July. July was a really strong month for heavy music. A whole lot of variety, a uh, lot of big albums that were like lived up to the hype, and a lot of uh, smaller albums from bands, lesser-known bands that I haven't heard of or just freshly heard of. Uh, that definitely were interesting and ones that I'm going to recommend to you to check out. Uh, But before we get into the whole albums of the month, the top tier albums of this July of ours, uh, let's start things off with the heavy music news. Let's start things off with a fun story. Like There's always so much bad news in the world and such negative stories that you wake up and you hate to open up your phone and check your Facebook or whatever you get your news at and see just sad things day in and day out all the time. So let's start with something happy. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you like video games. Like I'm sure a lot of you liked, uh, if you're close to my age, you were a big fan of the skateboarding video games, the Tony Hawk video games that uh, were released regularly all throughout the early 2000s and pretty much all the 2000s, really. Uh, got a whole lot of people into skateboarding, a whole generation of people into skateboarding. Uh, skateboarding video games were like the most hype and fun video games of my childhood, and I'm sure many of y'all's as well. And something that uh, brings, that strikes a little bit of a fun nostalgia bone related to the music world. Uh, these days is that uh, Tony Hawk, the namesake of the Tony Hawk Pro Skater video games, uh, recently performed a song on stage uh, with a Tony Hawk video game themed cover band called uh, The 900, named after Tony Hawk's signature uh, award-winning trick that he did. Uh, Essentially, they do uh, cover songs of all the songs from the first I believe five or six uh, Tony Hawk video games. And it's, which for one, like, usually I'm not like a big cover band guy, but that's a fun concept for a cover band. Just like, you have all, whole, there's a whole lot of great music from those soundtracks. That really, uh, those Tony Hawk video games, one of the biggest things about it, besides the gameplay of it being just straight out fun, is that the soundtracks were top tier. Uh, got a lot of people into punk, rock, and hip-hop, and metal, and was a way that a lot of people of, of that generation discovered alternative music. And to have a band uh, reliving the nostalgia of that and playing all that is a great time and just a great way to like relive uh, that great music of their youth. But Tony Hawk uh, went on stage with... Uh, 900, who's from Britain, but I think they were performing here in the U.S., and joined him for a cover of the song Superman by Goldfinger, uh, which is a punk song that even I recognize. I'm not the biggest punk guy, but that's the one I know, and it's just a real fun thing to see Tony Hawk up there uh, just having fun with people and continuing his legacy as one of the most beloved celebrities amongst people today. He's just one of those like guys that he's kind of like in that same uh, like guy you'd like to hang out with tier of... Like the Keanu Reeves and the Dolly Partons, the celebrities that like are, as far as we know, scandal free and seem like pretty cool, chill people, and it's just a fun little story to see like that happening. And it just it strikes you to feel good. Uh, I thought that was a nice little way to start things off. Another positive news: uh, guitarist Jesper Stromblad, uh, both best known as being the guitarist, the original guitarist for In Flames and now being the guitarist for the Halo Effect, uh, said that he is very proud for having influenced the early 2000s metalcore scene, essentially influencing all the uh, melodic death metal-inspired bands like your Kill Switch Engages, your As I Lay Dying's, uh, your Unearths, Triviums, all that crop of bands from the early 2000s that put uh, metalcore as we know it on the map. And he said that he's, was, like, very happy to have influenced it uh, in an interview, uh, saying that they, it, the style, rather than how a lot of uh, people who were, like, innovators of a genre, they tend to look down upon uh, what came after them. Uh, for example, there's a very well-known uh, quote from uh, Tim Comerford, basis for Rage Against a Machine, uh, who, he said that he was very sorry for having been an influence for the whole new metal movement of the early two thousands, and basically being part of the reason why bands like Limp Bizkit came to pass, uh, but this one's a little like a lot more positive because uh, Jesper Stromblad, he's a big, he seems to be a big fan and respects uh, like the early two thousands metalcore, uh, and has happened to have a hand in influencing it. Uh, saying that they paid great homage to the Gothenburg Sweden sound uh, that was the music scene that bands like his, bands like At the Gates, bands like Dark Tranquility all came up in and created a whole new generation of metalheads, a whole new movement that's still feeling a whole impact in modern metal today. As while metalcore may have changed, like now, with it being a lot more gent and techie inspired. Uh, the whole metalcore movement started originally, as we know it, the early 2000s style of it, the At the Gates core, as some would call it, uh, started with bands like In Flames and Dark Tranquility and all that. And it's just good to see that one of the progenitors of that genre, who influenced early 2000s metalcore, seeing that style in such a positive light and giving it its props. Another interesting news uh, metal singer. Tim Ripper Owens uh, is doing a new album that is being produced by Hatebreed's Jamie Jasta, uh, which I believe is just going to be called Ripper. And they've released the first single from that upcoming album titled Embattled. For those unaware, Tim Ripper Owens uh, was the replacement singer in Judas Priest uh, when main singer Rob Halford originally left the band back in the early 90s. Uh, He did two... Uh, albums with uh, Judas Priest, uh, Jugulator, and another one whose name escapes me. Uh, and he was with the band, I believe it was from like 96 to 2002, 2001 or so, uh, kind of in that like like 90s era. Uh, that was that whole uh, movie Rockstar uh, that was kind of based on Ripper Owens' story. Uh, starting off in a Judas Priest cover band and then getting to join the actual Judas Priest, which is a dream come true for any musician who's a fan of the band. But Ripper Owens hasn't really gotten his due uh, as for his time in Judas Priest. Uh, the band doesn't play his era of songs. Uh, you can't even find uh, the Ripper Owens Judas Priest albums on streaming services still, which is really bizarre. Uh in interviews, when he gets asked about it, he you can tell that he's a little bit bitter about it. Uh, he's just not sure why they won't play the songs, why they won't respect his contributions to the Judas Priest legacy. Uh, but there were a lot of fans of those albums, with many saying that those Ripper albums from Judas Priest were the heaviest material that they've ever done. Uh, but he's had a long career like outside of that. He's sung with... Uh, Sung with such other bands like uh, his own project, the Three Tremors. He sung in Iced Earth. Yeah, he's now in uh, Judas Priest guitarist's new band called uh, K.K.'s Priest, uh, where he's like singing that and sort of having like the new there his own iteration of Judas Priest, I guess. Uh, but now he is working with Jamie Jasta, who believes is producing and possibly also co-writing. Uh, his new uh, Ripper album. And with this first track in battle, it's definitely sounds a lot heavier. It's, it has a strong thrash vibe to it, and it might give Ripper Owens a nice little boost in notoriety amongst modern metal fans. Like, Jamie Joss has already done uh, great production work. Uh, he's done two albums with Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister fame. Uh, he did the... Uh, corpse Grinder solo record that came out earlier this year. Uh, and on top of his uh, own like work with Hate Breed and his like solo Josta work, he's Jamie Josta's has just been on a roll and he's been on these uh, projects basically going into new uh, genres and territories working with artists and giving them unique albums with a focus on going heavier. And this first taste of this new a Ripper Owens solo album is sounding pretty good, and I'm excited to hear the whole thing once it's fully released. For those in the Midwest, particularly in Ohio, you might be familiar with a certain little venue in Canton called Buzzbin. Uh, Buzzbin is a venue in, like, was located in Canton, Ohio, and it's a very popular spot for touring uh, underground bands, Uh, the hard rock and metal variety and punk bands as well Uh, my own band Stormturker got to play there uh, not too long ago for a festival that was held there and it's quickly became one of our favorite venues Uh, but sadly uh, the venue was going to be shut down and they had to cancel the doomed and stoned ohio fest that was supposed to happen there uh, because the had a whole snafu. There's a whole lot of drama involved with why the venue was uh, shutting down. But thankfully, uh, Busbin has been able to survive and have gotten a new location in Akron, Ohio. And they're having a benefit on September 24th at the new spot. And that is going to help them get uh, different bills paid and legal fees and permits for establishing their new venue in the new spot. So and it's such an important spot for all the bands that tour through the Midwest in the Ohio area. Uh, as you know, this, as most of you all know, uh, the pandemic was a really big uh, struggle for many venues uh, that we all love and care about. Uh, just in like my own town of Lexington, Kentucky here alone, we've lost like two like solid music venues in Cosmic Charlie's and Lion's Irish Pub. Uh, that, like, couldn't survive the lack of, like, money coming in from the pandemic. And even now, it's still a struggle with, like, shows coming back, Uh, like, they're coming back pretty strong by now, but it's always still a struggle to have a venue in the first place, even before the pandemic even happened. And for a venue as important uh to bands as Buzzbin, it's great to see that it's coming in a new, new location. So... If you're in the Ohio area, you should definitely go to the Benefit for the Bin on September 24th. It's a big festival that they're having with a bunch of um, regional bands, like some of the top uh, ones listed on here. They have 72 Legions, Tommy Stewart's Direwolf, Lazy Ass Destroyer, Fake Muslims, Ghost Hello, and many, many more down the list. Uh It's a venue that I really hope that will stay open, and if you're in the area, please go to the show and support and make sure that we still have a place to go see the bands that we know and love. For all you Deathcore fans out there, you might be familiar with a little band known as Lorna Shore. Well, Lorna Shore just recently announced a tour, the Pain Remains Tour, in celebration for what I believe to be their upcoming next full-length record. And on the tour with them, they have Aborted, Ingested, Angel Maker, and Of Sulfur, uh, touring through the U.S. with them from October 21st to November 20th, which they have dates ending up in Toronto and Montreal, Canada. Uh, Lord of the Shore, of course, like, has a whole lot of buzz going around them. Uh, there's been... A lot of talk about when they're going to release a full new record. They've already been consistently releasing singles like "Curse to Die, uh, Into the Earth, and like a few other ones recently that have been maintaining the hype that they've started building ever since they've gotten their uh, current vocalist Will Ramos. And after all the hype that to the hellfire began last year, basically making them one of the top deathcore bands now ever. Like reaching popularity levels not seen since uh, the Suicide Silence days with Mitch Lucker. Uh, and this tour is sure to breed a whole lot of excitement and it's going to be one of the biggest uh, extreme metal tours of the year. And speaking of old Will Ramos there, uh, an interesting little tidbit. I was listening to the uh, Jamie Josta, uh, the Josta Show podcast where they had Will Ramos on as a guest. And he said an interesting thing on there, where he said that despite all the hype that he has as uh, being a frontman and being known for all the uh, deathcore vocal gymnastics that he's now become famous for, uh, he's been pretty humble about it. He says that he could, he thinks any vocalist is replaceable, including himself. And he even name-drops some ones that he believes could replace him. Uh, he named Dickie Allen of Infinite Annihilator fame, he mentioned Ben Dur of Shadow of Intent, and it's just kind of nice to see that all the fame and uh, popularity that Ramos is receiving isn't all going to his head, and he still seems to have a pretty down-to-earth view of his, himself and the band's popularity, and it's just a nice thing to see. Uh, it just makes you like the musicians that you follow a whole lot more. But the Pain Remains tour starts in October. Get your tickets. This thing is likely to sell out. They're playing some pretty big venues for a deathcore band. Got some theaters in there. It's like got uh, some pretty mu- big music halls on this. It'd be nice to have a uh, nice like deathcore tour, death metal, deathcore tour through America that can sell out venues. And prove that extreme music is still so alive and well. So get your tickets. Stuff's probably going to sell out. A lot of those dates are going to sell out. And you do not want to miss out. Another fun, positive news. uh, We are getting a new Metalocalypse metalocalypse movie. Uh, Sitting around the old, everybody's favorite animated death metal band, Death Clock. Uh, In an interview with a radio station, Brendan Small uh, confirmed that uh, he is knee-deep in... Writing and creating a new Metalocalypse movie. Uh, for those unaware, Metalocalypse was a really popular uh, show on Adult Swim that had the center around the fictional band Death Clock, which is a uh, parody and celebration of all things uh, heavy metal uh, in that show. And the coincide with the TV show, there was also uh, the like Death Clock Metal albums that were released uh, with Brendan Small, the creator and voice actor on the show, also like performing all most of the music and writing it all, doing vocals, guitar, bass, and having uh, drum legend Gene Hoglund, uh drumming on all those releases, which helped boost uh, make a whole... A- helped boost the popularity of uh, death metal at the time with those records, those death clock records being some of the most best-selling death metal albums of all time. I think that the third album, uh, it's like death album three, I think it was called uh, might be the top selling death metal album of all time. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like I read that somewhere might be wrong. Not fact checking not myself. We're just going to roll with that. Uh, but yeah, like the Death Clock show originally aired on Adult Swim from, I believe it was. I haven't written here. I'm sucky at keeping notes with this stuff. Uh, it originally aired on Adult Swim from 2003 to 2013, and it ended uh, with the Doomstar Requiem rock opera, uh, which left a lot of questions. And the show didn't really get the ending that fans like felt it deserved. But now it seems that. Uh, Adult Swim is allowing it to happen. Uh, there was a whole lot of tension between Adult Swim and Brendan Small, uh, where like they wanted the end of the show, and they held, held all the rights to Death Clock and Metalocalypse, so Brendan Small couldn't even uh, release music under the Death Clock name. So he released uh, new materials that was spiritual successors to Death Clock with his own uh, solo records that he released. But now we are finally getting... The Metalocalypse movie to close all the things out, and hopefully it will live up to the great legacy that Metalocalypse has already established. So that's uh, I'm happy about it. And I'm sure a lot of other people are happy about that as well. Another news: uh, metalcore band from Australia, Alpha Wolf, their frontman uh, was just videoed on stage at a recent show calling out venues for taking a cut of their merch sales. Uh, Frontman of Alpha Wolf, whose name I'm going to butcher, uh, Lochi Kyo, or Lochi Ko, I'm not sure how to pronounce that properly, apologies, Uh, was recently filmed on stage talking about venues uh, taking a 20% merch cut uh, from their sales. Uh, This has been like a hot topic of debate for a long, long time, where bands have had to give a cut of their merchandise sales to venues, which Bands already don't make that much money in the first place. They, like, especially these days where gas prices are skyrocketing, it really makes it a lot harder for bands to tour because that's, like, the biggest expense uh, when you're a touring band. And all the times you're touring in large vehicles that don't give much uh, miles to the gallon. Uh, I know this from personal experience. I We tour in a uh, diesel short bus. And it's so much money that would come out of pocket there's times we would make like hundreds of dollars in a show just to spend like good 60 to 70 percent of it uh, just on gas alone and especially for a band like alpha wolf who's currently touring north america coming over from australia uh, they already have all these other expenses with their visas that they have to get uh, rentals for the gear and equipment the expenditures on buying the merch in the first place and for a venue who's already making money from uh, alcohol sales and all that uh, to try to cut the bands even more by taking a cut of their merchandise seems a little underhanded. And it's something that I personally believe and many other musicians agree that is some is a practice that should not be done. Uh, so frontman of alpha wolf was on stage at the end of their set at a recent show. They, uh, basically called out the venue for doing that and said that most likely they won't play that venue again uh, if they can help it. Uh, This seems like the consensus online is that most people agree and that it just seems like certain venues are just trying to milk the bands for money. And I understand that running a venue in a city, a small or mid-sized venue, is very costly, but you don't undercut the bands and artists that are performing in your venue to help keep yourself afloat that is not how you create a good relationship with the artists that you are working with and that is hopefully a practice that doesn't continue to grow uh to other venues and hopefully people will learn this lesson and are able to have their venues strive or to have to undercut the bands that perform for them Another interesting news story on the docket today, uh, guitarist Dino Cazares, best known for being the guitarist for uh, Metal Innovators Fear Factory, is restarting his very popular side project band Divine Heresy alongside uh, once-human frontwoman Lauren Hart. Uh, they currently don't have any other members present, and he says that it's not going to interfere with his uh, things with Fear Factory. But he said that they. Kazari says that the band is currently looking for other members to be part of their touring act, and it's uh, pretty interesting. Like, uh, Lauren Hart uh, seems to be a pretty fitting choice uh, to be the vocalist for Divine Heersey. For those unaware, Divine Heersey released two albums uh, back in the late 2000s, I believe. If I can look up real quickly when those albums came out, I will give you the details. As I look this up, oh, this is great podcasting radio right here. All right, they had two albums. Uh, for some reason, I can only find one of them on Spotify currently. Uh, Bleed the Fifth in two thousand and seven, which was really quality. Uh, it had like a number of like interesting members, of course, like drummer Tim Young, like who's well known for his uh, drumming speed, but most notably, uh, a f- now ex Bad Wolves frontman uh tommy vexed uh was the original singer for uh, divine here uh until he had a whole uh falling out with dino which included him getting in a fight with dino on stage and i think backstage he apparently like sucker punched him at one point uh, tommy vex guy with a lot of anger problems and keeps getting kicked out of bands uh He seems to keep wanting to blame other people, but uh, there's a common denominator in both those stories with him getting kicked out of Divine Heresy and Bad Wolves. Uh, He might want to look in the mirror a little bit more. But Divine Heresy is restarting, which is pretty exciting. Uh, It was a nice uh, little switch up from Dino's uh, usual industrial metal, industrial and new metal tendencies in Fear Factory, where Divine Heresy is more along the lines of a melodic death metal band to a degree. Uh, had a lot of strong elements of, it still had like the chuggy, uh, to the nose industrial power that he's known for on Fear Factory with Dino's like machine gun right hand riffs that he's able to write, but uh, was a lot more along the uh, death metal territory, which was a fitting transition uh, for a different outlet for Kazara to have. And with Lauren Hartentoe, who already sings for a melodic death metal and groove metal band in Once Human, uh, should, makes for an interesting combination. And I'm curious to see the music that they will write together. Uh, this is kind of interesting because it seems like, of uh, course, like Fear Factory was looking for a new singer for a while after the uh, original singer, Burton C. Bell, uh, decided to leave the group. And I heard that Fear Factory had found a new frontman, uh, but I don't think they've released any other details on who that frontman is or any new touring plans or music release plans with Fear Factory. And currently, Dino Cazares has been keeping himself busy uh, touring, uh, being the touring guitarist for Soulfly, and now uh, restarting Divine Hearsay, apparently. And we're all still waiting on more Fear Factory news. Uh, but I guess we just have to wait a little bit while longer. On any news on that front, but uh, Lauren Hart in Divine Heresy now, the band's starting again, and they're doing a nationwide search for new members. So, hey, if you uh, can play like some death metal drums or bass uh, for Divine Heresy, you might have a chance to do it. Uh, so, keep your ear to the floor for that one. And now, the final piece of news on the docket for today is that. Uh, noisecore pioneers Botch seem to be teasing a reunion. Uh, Botch, for those that aren't aware, are were a very influential band in the uh, early metalcore scene, particularly the noisecore scene, which birthed bands like Isis, Converge, and the Dillinger Escape Plan. Uh, these guys were the OGs of that like style of chaotic, uh, technically dense mathcore like metalcore, noisecore, whatever you call it, sound. Uh, They only released two albums, like 1998's uh, American Nervoso and 1999's, their biggest album, We Are the Romans, which influenced a whole generation of that whole noisecore, metalcore set. Uh, And then they broke up a while after that, but uh, they recently signed to the label Sergeant House for the purpose of releasing reissues uh, of their old music. But now they've been teasing uh, a reunion uh, on the uh, Instagram for the basis of Botch. Uh, Mr. Bassist Brian Cook posted an Instagram pic of some uh, musical gear and practice equipment uh, that was, seemed to tease that the band was uh, going to either be touring again or be, might be releasing some new music. There's nothing clear cut at this time. Uh, And there was also a, like, tweet from, I believe it was Sergeant House, the label that the band's currently on, uh, which read, Botch, that's it, that's the tweet. (laughs) Which is a very cryptic uh, tweet, to say the least. And all these signs seem to point that Botch are teasing something. Uh, Don't know if it's a reunion, don't know if it's a new record, uh, don't know if it's going to be a tour, uh, it's, it's everybody's still in the dark right now on what the heck Botch is doing. Uh, there was an interview with the singer of Botch uh, years back where he said that uh, he's in his 40s now and not sure if he could really do the type of uh, performances that Botch is known for, thrashing his body all around on stage and being able to accurately perform the chaotic energy and sound that Botch is known for uh, beginning, essentially. Uh, but they it seems like they're planning to do something and it's kind of interesting because like if, if it's a tour that would be interesting on its own uh, like, even if they are not able to be as crazy and aggressive on stage as they're known for uh, it would still be nice for like younger uh, generations of fans who never got to see botch like myself uh, it would be cool to give those fans a chance to be able to see the band live because that band is a band that I got into uh, well after learning about the bands that they influenced because uh, I've learned about converge and Dillinger escape plan well well before I ever heard the name botch uh, and it'd be cool to see like the ogs of that sound on the stage once more uh, but yeah we'll just have to stay tuned and see where that leads us uh, like in the future Let's see what they're gonna do because I'm excited for it and it's whatever they do; it'd be real cool. It'd be interesting to see what they would do if they do record a new album. Uh, what would they? What would it sound like? Uh, would it sound like more of the uh, original Bot sound that they're known for? Would it be uh, a new versions, like something completely different? Because these guys are in a much different headspace, much more advanced in years than they were in their uh, loud, chaotic youth. Uh, I know that, for example, one of the guitarists, I believe, for the band is uh, currently in Russian circles, and which is much more atmospheric and chill most of the time than anything that Botch ever released. Uh, Would they be bringing in some of those modern influences and styles that they've done on their new releases and new uh, sounds that they've done onto a new Botch release? Uh, there's a lot of possibilities that could go into that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they do make new music or just at least a new EP or some new singles, uh, what they would possibly come up with. And I say that does it for the news of this week. Uh, but before we get into the next section, which would be the top 10 albums of July, 2022, uh, we have a show sponsor. Uh, like I've said on the original, uh, introductory of this podcast, uh, Uh, We're going to have uh, sponsors in the way of bands, uh, where I will play a song from a band on the podcast, and you all can hear it, and I will give you details on them and tell you where to look them up, find their merch, find their music, uh, and basically just give lesser-known bands, underground bands, uh, an outlet, a new advertising outlet uh, for uh, their music to be heard. And today we have another uh, band, like loud in the last episode, I played some of my own band Storm Tokers music in preparation for our Mother Tree album release. And with this new uh, episode, we have another Kentucky band that I'm friends with, uh, a band called Belushi Speedball from Louisville. And this is their new song off a new record they just uh, released back at the end of May called What Us Worry. Uh, and this song, with is interestingly titled "Ripping Off Municipal Waste." So
1: I'm a hypocrite, stole this guitar, With original music makes me- We'll make it faster, unleash the masters And make it right for our new dead master Oh my god, what, what have we done? The thoughts are we have we just begun? Guess this is it, it's time to commit And we'll do guitarist To see it right to our face ripping off municipal waste They put straight in our place ripping off municipal waste Ripping off municipal waste. They see it right to our face.
0: Ripping off municipal waste.
1: Ripping off the waste. Ripping off the waste.
0: Neil Beard, make band in the wing. Oh yeah. That was Belushi Speedball with the song Ripping Off Municipal Waste. Uh, bringing some thrash fury onto the podcast here. Uh, they are a very interesting fun band. Like, they've been around for a good bit now. Uh, they are well known for their live shows. They, like, Besides, the, and their song Topics as well, they are very uh, lighthearted uh, with their whole thrash sound. They uh, have songs about, like, friggin' Pokemon and SpongeBob and a lot of 90s uh, cartoons and aesthetics in their sound and stuff. And uh, it's it's nice that they're, like, continuing the trend of, like, a lot of newer thrash bands being more on the fun side. And they even poke fun at themselves, like this latest track, with Ripping Off Municipal Waste. Uh, essentially, this is being like an ode to the band, uh, basically saying that they're just a like sad ripoff of Minus Municipal Waste. And uh, their live shows are pretty fun and chaotic. They have like they dress up in costumes. They'll like throw foam and trash into the crowd, and they make it a real nice interactive experience. Basically, just making it where it's not just another thrash show that you would be going to. Uh, if you want to see this uh, craziness that is Belushi Speedball Live. Uh, they are interestingly playing with Municipal Waste on the uh, Full Terror Assault Festival in uh, Cave and Rock, Illinois. Uh, that festival goes uh, between September 7th and 10th. Uh, I don't know if they're playing on the same day as Municipal Waste. I really hope they are because they could finally meet the band and like have that meme of a song uh, be brought to its full height. And... They've uh, in interviews. Uh, Tony Foresta singer for Municipal Waste, has said that uh, he's been asked multiple times about Belushi's speedball song ripping off Municipal Waste. Now, uh, almost to the point of annoyance, it sounds like it sounds like he's getting a little tired of answering that same question. So it'll be pretty uh, fun if they do get to meet Municipal Waste in person. Uh, I definitely want to see that happen. Uh, but yeah, they'll be at Full Terror Assault Festival. Uh, which runs from September 7th to 10th, and if you want to catch them a little bit earlier, they'll be playing in their hometown of Louisville, um, Kentucky Irate Fest. Um, that festival runs August 26th to August 28th, uh, which is the big deathcore festival happening up there with headliners such as Norma Jean, Rivers of Nile, and Slaughter to Prevail all on that one. Uh, They have a lot of metalcore and deathcore bands on there alongside some uh, local Louisville bands that are going to be on that as well. A nice mixture of sounds and styles on that fest. So don't miss out. Pick up their new album, What Us Worry, that features this song, Ripping Off Municipal Waste, as well as many others. It's one of my uh, favorite thrash albums of the year for sure and one that you all definitely do not want to miss. If you want to get your band heard on the Heavy Haystack podcast, just send an email to theheavyhaystack at gmail.com and send me a link to your band's music, an EBK or something, so I can uh, tell the good people of podcast land some information about you uh, and some upcoming dates so that people can come out and see you live in all of your glory. Uh, theheavyhaystack at gmail.com Uh, Submissions for the BS Sponsor are currently still free while we're building up the podcast audience here. Uh, So you can get your music heard on this podcast episode permanently uh, if you act now and send an email to uh, to the email and let me know. And I shall spread the word of your music. But be warned, you can't send some old BS like shitty music. No, I'm going to be discerning with the quality of the music on here. If it's not good, I'm not playing it. So have some faith i know that your music is good and send it to me so i can share it with the people on the podcast and spread the good word of heavy music all around now with that out of the way let's get on to the list of my top 10 albums of july 2022 Uh, before actually getting to what the uh, main uh, albums on that one are going to be I uh, want to talk about some honorable mentions and some possible snubs uh, that uh, did not quite make the top ten list. Uh, on the, like, I got two records that could be seen in the snub category here, possibly. And the first one of those uh, would be, this is mostly one based on taste, more so than me thinking that it's a bad record or anything like that, per se. And that is the new record from uh, Imperial Triumphant. Titled Spirit of Ecstasy. Uh, Imperial Triumphant, for those unaware, they are a very unique and interesting band, to say the least. Uh, they essentially play a form of avant-garde, uh, progressive, blackened death metal. Uh, they dress in like fancy costumes. Uh, their albums are all uh, concept albums uh, dealing with their home city of New York and like the... Uh, glitz and clamor of like the uh, bygone era of the city, and the the musicians in the band are all uh, highly trained uh, of a highly trained jazz background, and apply that to a death metal context. Um, the music is very technically skilled and densed, but it is very uh, inaccessible. It is very hard to get into. It is very challenging music, even for Uh, death metal fans and technical death metal fans i will say that i did enjoy uh, the opening tracks chump change and metro vertigo uh, where like those two tracks had enough uh, hooks uh, uh, with them with the riffs and the atmosphere to like really enjoy them a little bit more than most of their material but uh, a lot of the rest of the tracks start sounding it has a lot of similar elements and Like, this isn't something you can listen to passively. I have to sit there and concentrate to really uh, decipher the riffs and uh, basically the message uh, that the band is trying to convey with their music. Uh, This is, I definitely have to give my hats off to them on the, like, creativity and skill department. Uh, but as far as how enjoyable this album is, this is going to be for an acquired taste for sure. Uh, but yeah, Imperial Triumphant didn't make the top ten list this month. Uh, but if you enjoy the album, let me know. Drop an email at the heavy haystack at gmail, and I will uh, go back and forth with you a little bit on thoughts on the record. Uh, another one is that we have the uh, new solo record from Carl Sanders. Uh, of Nile fame called Sarian Apocalypse. I believe this is the third album in a trilogy uh, based off of a uh, book or comic book series. I think it's just a book series that he, uh, Carl Sanders, writes uh, that deals in the uh, sci-fi realm. And this uh, album, Sarian Apocalypse, the music of it is very uh keeping in with like now. It has a lot of uh, like Egyptian-type sounds, a lot of like Middle Eastern sounds with sitars and atmosphericness to it. Essentially, the vibe of this record is highly influenced by film soundtrack music. Uh, and I thought that it's a very interesting album. It has some interesting tracks on it. Uh, my personal favorite track on here, I believe, is called... Huh, uh, I think it's the Evil Inherent in Us All, which has a real, like, upbeat... Uh, vibe to it very tribal sounding uh sounds like you'd be in a uh middle eastern uh market in a movie something very indiana jones-esque and then you have uh another song which has a very an interesting title uh that doesn't exactly describe the vibe called skull fuck ritual uh, on it which uh despite the title sound like a very like death metal straight to the point song uh, this is all very acoustic based and sitar based with a lot of atmosphere in the writing of uh, this record it's all been to be like atmosphere kind of like the backdrops to a movie uh, and the first three or four tracks definitely have that uh, vibe to it but After those first three or four tracks, the rest of the album seems very repetitive with the sounds, the tempos, the overall vibe of the songs, where it's a little hard to tell the latter tracks apart from each other, uh, which is the main reason why I can't put it in my top ten list, despite the opening few tracks being very interesting. Uh, But it's worth checking out. It's an interesting listen. It's something off the beaten path, and if you're a big Nile fan, you might, like want to check it out just to see uh, other works from, uh, from man Carl Sanders and see if it's something that would be up your alley onward to the main honorable mentions part of the list. Uh, we have uh, spite deathcore band spite with their EP dedication to flesh. Uh, main reason why this isn't in the top 10 list is just because it's an EP and it seems unfair to pit uh, an EP with fewer songs to full records. Uh, But this EP is very, very high quality. Uh, For some reason, I feel like I haven't heard as much buzz about Spite in recent years. Uh, When their debut album, I think it was, came out called Nothing is Beautiful back in 2017, uh, you can follow any Metalcore or Deathcore post uh, talking about uh, them like that wasn't talking about Spite. uh, Because they had their song uh, Kill or Be Killed uh, on it, which was like a huge hit. Uh, still, their biggest hit today. Uh, and, like, they had came out with this really aggressive sound with uh, their mixture of, like, deathcore, metalcore, some, like, groovy new metal sounds into their style. Uh, and it's definitely, like, a band, seemed like a band to watch. Uh, and then in 2019, they had their The Root of All Evil album, which also was a solid effort. I feel like not as good as Nothing is Beautiful, but. Uh, still pretty quality, but I didn't hear a lot of buzz around that record. Interestingly enough, and looking at their Spotify top five, it's still not in their top releases either. None of the songs are. Uh, but with this new uh, EP, "Dedication to Flesh," it sounds like they're uh, at even better quality than their "Nothing Is Beautiful" record. Uh, it's only four tracks, and like the title track, "Dedication to Flesh," is like very quality. Might be the favorite. Bringing their groovy like heavy uh metalcore and deathcore sound to your ears with a whole lot of uh gusto it's very immediate it's instantly infectious and catchy and definitely one that you will want to listen to if you're a fan of uh, heavy core music we also have german instrumental band my sleeping karma with their new record atma uh for those who know like my Sleeping karma is uh They do very psychedelic, spacey, uh, psychedelic rock music that really puts you into a trance. It's very, like, vibey. Stuff that you can really, like, chill out to. And, like, if you are of the persuasion to do psychedelics, uh, this music would be very conducive to that experience. Uh, I highly recommend this one. It's a very strong record. uh, And... It's something that's like definitely off the beaten path. It's got a little bit of the heavy mixed in with the atmospheric and definitely worth checking out. We also have the band Palisades with the new album Reaching Hypercritical. Uh, This one was a surprise for me because I was not expecting to like this uh, record. Uh, They're a Rise Records band. They have a little bit of the uh, kind of a poppier version of post-hardcore with their sound. Uh that has like the whole very high tone boy band vocals going on. But the songwriting makes up for those traits that I'm usually not a fan of. Uh, there's a lot of hits on this one, a lot of catchy choruses. The songs are very accessible with some heavy metal tracks mixed in there too. Uh, and if it's good enough to get me to listen to it, even though it's not typically my sort of style, if you're in the, the rise record sound, a band, the very, uh, Poppy leaning metalcore and post hardcore that they usually release. Uh, this album should be great for you if I liked it as much as I did. Continuing the honorable mentions list, we have a band with one of the greatest band names ever, Nicholas Cage Fighter, with their album "The Bones That Grew from Pain." At uh, this one, they are a uh, metal, they're more of a metallic hardcore band. Uh, that occasionally dips into even heavier territory into the deathcore realm. And this album, this whole thing's just straight up in your face, nasty, heavy, hardcore grooves. Uh, big ol' like, there, there's like no singing, just all aggression. Definitely something to get the pit going, get you spin kicking the guy next to you, and <laughs> you want to like do karate moves in the pit. Uh, like, this whole album is like pretty quality. Uh, And very consistent with the quality. Like, you can pick a song at random here, and it's sure to be a banger. And uh, even on the later tracks, they even, like, went into some straight-up death metal league territory, which I was surprised by, like, after hearing the sound of the rest of the record being more of your uh, typical metallic hardcore vibe. Uh, But it's a great mixture, definitely worth a listen. If you like anything, like, metalcore and heavy, uh, give their new record The Bones That Grew From Pain a listen. Tending with the honorable mentions, we have a lot of them this month. Like there is, there was a lot of good records in July, and I couldn't put them all in the top ten because any of these records could easily have gone into the top ten, and some of them might go into my top ten uh, with like more listens and uh, changing uh, feelings on the records. But this next one is for you, thrash fans out there. We have the new record from Hatriot titled "The Veil vale of Shadows." Uh, Hatred has some uh, thrash metal uh, pedigree uh, in their ranks, which uh, two of the members, the lead singer slash uh, bassist or guitarist, I believe, uh, basically like the two of the members of Hatred are the sons of Steve Sousa of Exodus fame. Uh, one of them plays drums. The other one is the vocalist and they make a very, I'd take a nice modern take on the Bay Area thrash metal sound. Uh, and there's just like plenty of quality tracks on this thing that goes balls to the wall uh, the entire time without sounding generic. They're very creative with the usage of riffs and even bring in some uh, modern groove and occasionally metalcore elements into the sound, all while staying well within the thrash realm, appealing to both old school thrash metal fans and to modern uh metalcore and thrash metal fans alike and definitely one to listen to continuing on we have the new record from Belphegor called The Devils uh, this one might make it into my top 10 later with more listens I didn't get a chance to listen to this one as much as some of the other records on this list but even just on the first listen I loved this album a lot uh, for those unaware, are uh, one of the leading blackened death metal bands of today uh, and I first discovered them on their uh, 2017 album, Toten Ritual. But with this newest record, The Devils, it kind of has a very interesting vibe to it. Like, they still, it's still well within the realm of the blackened deathcore genre. But it goes a lot more atmospheric and moody. It goes into some uh, doom and gothic metal elements onto it. Uh, which provides a lot of atmosphere for all the heavy, dark brutality Uh, that's very satanically tinged on it. Uh, It provides a lot of atmosphere. And any time that a very uh, extreme metal or aggressive band decides to put a focus on atmosphere into the sound, it tends to always come out very well. Uh, And this is definitely one, like, Belphagore is one of the bands that got me into black metal originally uh, with their, like, nice... uh, De- with the death metal blended to the sound—it definitely like adds a lot, like riff-wise and aggression-wise. And this is, uh, and adding in the doom element into their like new record just takes their sound into like a net- such a nice higher level uh, than just the straightforwardness that they're usually known for. Uh, definitely worth a listen. The Devils by Belphegor. And now the final record in the honorable mention section is the latest from. Like we're talking about them again on this podcast, Municipal Waste with their new record, Electrified Brain. Uh, Municipal Waste, like, of course, the kind of the kings of the thrash metal revival movement. Uh, their last album, Slime and Punishment, came out in 2017, and I personally uh, thought that record was okay, but not uh, didn't have as much staying power as this current record, Electrified Brain, does. Uh, Municipal Waste is one of those bands that. Essentially, do you know what you're going to get with every new Municipal Waste release? And like they, uh, and when you do that uh, style of kind of doing like the same type of sound every record, uh, you have to bring the hits pretty strongly to keep uh, my interest at least. Uh, There's only so many bands that can be like a Slayer or uh, another similar band that does a similar sound every album. Uh, but this record, it had, like, a lot of, like, strong hits on it. Like, they have the title track, Demoralizer, Grave Dive was a favorite one on there. Uh, friggin' Tencent Beer Night. There's a lot of songs. There's 14 songs on a 33-minute record. Uh, my favorite one being The Closer, actually, Paranormal Janitor, uh, which has a really nice, uh, kind of dark, spooky lead riff uh, over, like, the rhythm of the song. Uh and there's a lot more hookiness and staying power with like the songs in this latest Municipal Waste record. And if you're a fan of the thrash revival sound and Municipal Waste themselves, uh, this is one that you should definitely like. Give it a listen. Uh, it brings a whole lot of fun uh, to the thrash metal genre and definitely one that you should check out. And now, with the last of the honorable mentions out of the way, we can get on to the main top 10 albums of July 2022 list, uh, starting off with a little bit of death metal uh, on this list. We have uh, an album from a, I believe they're not all that well-known, actually, a death metal band called Mulder, with the new record Engrossed in Decay. Uh, they, Mulder, they seem to go with the uh classic old school death metal approach. If you look at their album cover for this record in Gross Syndicate, it's a uh it's classic early 90s death metal grossness. It's just like a skeleton guy being covered in like a bunch of like green it's like sticky ooze or something or acid, whatever you, it is. And there's just nonstop bangers on this. Just groovy death metal Uh, nastiness the singer tends to they seem to have a lot of influence from uh, obituary especially in the uh, vocal stylings where just that like nasty swamp monster type of vocal uh, on top of like nice groovy nasty riffs they don't go very technical with them they are not like a cannibal corpse or a morbid angel that tries to go in the uh, skilled techy direction. They're just more straightforward. A lot of punk energy on this. A lot of D beats, uh, and I tend to like when it comes to death metal. I like the ones that go into that raw caveman death metal direction. Your morticians, your bolt throwers, your uh, freaking like frozen souls for like a modern example. And this is definitely uh, fits that bill. And it's death metal. It's one of those type of death metal albums where. Uh, it's a type of one that like could be a gateway with how accessible it is because it's heavy, it's grotesque, it's nasty, but it's something you can bang your head to quite easily and groove along to. Uh, Mulder, Gross and Decay, released on Prosthetic Records, definitely one to check out for you death metal fans out there. Uh, there's so many good songs here, I can't really pick just one. Uh, the title track is a big one. Uh, Rest- Relentless Pestilence is another favorite on it and uh unsubstantial hallucinations uh, also a popular one for me on that track on that album rather uh, definitely one uh, to listen to and definitely a uh, quality record like I like starting this list off with a lesser-known band uh, more the modern death metal has really been in a really great place in recent years. And it's nice seeing the old-school 90s death metal sound brought back in a very entertaining and interesting way with this motto crop of bands. Uh, number nine, we have another lesser-known band on here that uh, doesn't seem to be getting enough talked about them, and that is uh, Celestial Wizard with their new album, Winds of the Cosmos, uh, a self-released album, it seems like. Uh, nine tracks 43 minutes uh, they are a how to describe celestial wizard i guess you would call them a melodic death metal band i suppose uh, but they are an american melodic death metal band uh, I'm trying to see where they are from if it lists somewhere they are out of denver colorado uh, formed they're still pretty new they were formed in 2018 And I believe this is their... Which record number is this? Yeah, they only have one other album before this. Uh, They have a Sinister Awakening released in 2018. Now they have this uh, current record, Winds of the Cosmos, released this year and this past month. And their sound is quite interesting because they... With all the elements that they blend together, uh, you would call them melodic death metal, I suppose. But... Instrumentally, their sound leans a lot more into that traditional uh, new wave of British heavy metal sound. Uh, a lot of clean melodic Iron Maiden es guitars and the like, but they still blend in uh, and they have clean vocals through like much of the record. But the main focus is on like high raspy, uh, shouty type vocals, similar to a uh, tr- 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 like a dark tranquility uh, type of vocal delivery. Uh, with some melodic vocals and very uh, well placed points. They don't overuse uh, the melodic vocal style too much. Uh, they and that allows the melodic vocals to hit home a lot more. Uh, there's plenty of quality tracks on this. Uh, there's uh, Ice Realm, which is a real big one on here. Uh, the opening track Andromeda is an instrumental with like some cool synths uh, in the mix. Uh, Revenant is a uh, probably the most uh, melodic vocal focused song of the record Uh, and this whole thing just has a nice uh, thrashy end of the traditional heavy metal sound but blended with some uh, death metal vocals to add to the aggression and dynamics of the record Uh, this was a wonderful surprise Uh, like the i always like it when uh, genres that i don't typically listen to all the time like traditional heavy metal bands especially like the modern kind uh, can be done in a very interesting uh, interesting way in the modern uh, context. Most of the time when you have a band doing the traditional heavy metal sound, it's usually uh, from Europe in the power metal style, which tends to go in a uh, very unapologetically cheesy direction, which gets old very quickly. But it seems like with the American band's that go into that traditional heavy metal realm, it seems to be done in a very creative way, uh, most of the time. We have bands like this, like Celestial Wizard here. Uh, you have uh, another band on the list that we'll be talking about later, which also does that traditional heavy metal sound in an interesting way. And this is kind of an interesting trend I've noticed recently, where the styles of the European metal styles that I typically don't. That are not popular over here, like black metal, power metal, uh, folk metal, and all that. Uh, I seem to enjoy them more when they come out of the American bands. And while there's, <laughs> with it being July and 4th of July having passed earlier this month, there's been a lot of things that like don't make you too, feel too patriotic about America. But one thing that we can be proud of here is that a lot of the time we're doing European metal styles better than the Europeans are here in America. And that's something that I can salute to and fly my American stars and stripes flag to. Uh, that makes me proud to be an American that we could do European metal better than the Europeans. <laughs> it's quite entertaining. Uh, but yeah, Celestial Wizard with the new record, Winds of the Cosmos. Definitely one to check out. Uh, even if you don't like uh, melodic death metal, power metal-y, traditional heavy metal-ish type of stuff, this album might be able to convince you otherwise. So those two are the number 10 and number 9 entries here on the top 10 albums of July. Uh, number 10 being Molder's and Gross in decay, and number 9 being Celestial Wizard, Winds of the Cosmos. And on the number 8 spot, we have Mantar with Pain is Forever and This is the End, uh, their latest album on Metal Blade Records. Uh, Mantar is a, another German band uh, who their style can be described as uh, blackened sludge metal. Uh, essentially, their influences, uh, when they started the band, say they consisted of Motorhead, Melvins, and Darkthrone, and other black metal bands of that nature. And essentially what this pans out to is that their sound uh, essentially is very uh, not quite anthemic, but very hooky uh, sludge metal stuff, but with a blackened atmosphere laid on top. Uh, They kind of have some uh, black metal guitar tones with the uh, kind of like darkened atmosphere. I don't know the exact guitar jargon to... Describe the tones, but it has that black metal guitar vibe, but with some like chuggy riffs on it. Uh, and they're not quite like the typical, uh, like some call them black and roll. I wouldn't call them that. Like, their advertising says that, uh, if you're fans of bands like Uwada and, uh, what's that one? Uh, the one punky black metal band, Midnight. That's what it is. Uh, for bands of Midnight and Uwata, you'll like Mantar, but they don't really sound like Uwata or uh, Midnight, for that matter. They, If I were to compare them to another band that they sound in the same ballpark as, I would say Satyricon. Uh, for one, Satyricon is another duo like Mantar is. Uh, Mantar just consists of a singer, guitarist, and a drummer. Uh, like two-piece, two-man band. uh like Satyricon. Uh, but their stuff kind of has, like, very hooky, uh, like, very hooky choruses with, like, a very riff-based uh, songwriting style, which you kind of have to do when you're, like, a two-man band. You don't have, like, bass or a second guitar to add, like, a more diverse dynamic to it, so you kind of have to base the songs around riffs and big vocal hooks, and there's plenty of that on this record. Uh, they have, like, Songs like Grim Reapin, which is like pretty like hooky with the Grim Reapin, uh, the Grim Reapin type of hook on it. This is kinda like it's a little weird. It's kinda like a modern blackened hard rock take on like 70s hard rock, where it's just big riffs with big hooks on it, but all sung in a very raspy, whiskey drenched uh, type of vocal over it. And that has like a lot of catchy titles on a thing piss ritual orbital puss a frost and decay uh the tone is very black metal-y but uh stylistically it's kind of like a black and hard rock thing uh with very sludgy guitar tones mixed in with the black metal ones to add a sort of stomp and groove to their sound that's just pretty interesting. I got into them on their previous uh, original record in 2018, The Modern Art of Setting Ablaze, which was got a lot of critical acclaim uh, at the time of that one's release. Uh, and this new record kind of polishes that sound they had with that record even further. Uh, with this kind of blackened, anthemic sludge style that they do. Uh, it's interesting, and fairly accessible and the more i listen to it the more i get into both the band and this record uh, and this is one that you will want to listen to uh, it's kind of like a nice gateway into the black metal style even though this that's more so black metal in aesthetic rather than uh songwriting styles or techniques uh but mentor pain is forever and this is the end number eight record of july 2022 At number 7 on the list, we have the long-awaited second album from British band Conjurer, titled Pathos. Conjurer originally made a uh, real big splash in 2018 with their album Meyer, uh, which was released to critical acclaim, and there was a whole lot of anticipation for this record, and Conjurer definitely did not disappoint. Uh, Their sound falls into that kind of post-metal progressive sludge doom sludge and doom core sound uh some of the bands like cult leader or an inter-arma or something along those lines uh the very basically bands that like to be uh slow atmospheric and heavy and very artsy all at the same time uh it's a very dense record it's produced by will putney so you know it sounds quality for sure uh And this record is eight tracks, 50 minutes long, uh, and it's very dense. Each song has a lot going on to it. The songs are long. There's multiple sections and uh, elements going on all at once. Uh, A lot of the stuff is very slow and methodical. It's not very hooky, but this is the type of album that rewards patience. Uh, When I first heard it, it didn't really stick with me. Uh, on first listen. But I kept hearing all the hype about Conjurer, all the, like, quality takes that, uh, the how well high-regarded the band was. So I had myself listen to the album more and more, and the more times I repeated listens, I kept finding new elements to it, new uh, elements of the instrumentation and, like, vocal progressions to latch onto. Uh, and really, it's... It's very like thoughtful album with all of its, uh, sludgy aggressiveness, and it has a whole lot of. It's one of those albums that has a lot, finds beauty, and it's very straightforward aggressive abrasiveness to it. Uh, it's it's a grower for sure. It's definitely part of the artsy, uh, nerdy, like battle vest metal crowd for sure. But it's definitely an album that's well worth listening to. There's so many great tracks on this, like starting from the opening track. It dwells with its like dynamic riffs and atmosphere that it has going on. Uh, All you will remember, but takes its long like uh, melodic sections and atmosphere to it, which adds a little bit of like peace amongst all the chaos. Um, They even have like more straightforward. Uh, Hardcore-leaning songs like uh, Suffer Alone, uh, that's a little more on like the hardcore side of things, that, like a little more straightforward. Uh, there's so much going on, and there's so much to like about this album. Uh, and if you have a patient ear, uh, Pathos by Conjure is one that's sure to strike your fancy. Uh, you just have to give it a little bit of time uh, to sink its uh, teeth into you and make it a lot more likable. Uh, Moving on to through the list, we have our number six album uh, from Wormrot titled "Hiss." Uh, Those unaware, Wormrot is a primarily grindcore band uh, from Singapore, I believe they're from, and like this album, it's definitely deep in the uh, grindcore style of things, but they have some very interesting takes that they do. Like it's like they're really creative and experimental with their riffage that it's kind of hard to explain some of what they do. Uh, Like the guitar tones are very like unique sounding. They have some interesting lead riffs and catchy riffs on here. Uh, There's moments of like hooky punk choruses amidst all the chaos of their sound uh, that's, like, pretty enjoyable, and despite this song, there's 21 tracks on this album, but it's only 32 minutes, and it feels like, with it being 21 songs, it feels longer than its 32-minute runtime would suggest, but there's so many different ideas that Wormrot's able to parse down in the very short minute, minute and a half long songs that they're able to have, like, multiple distinct sections of a song that's under two minutes and bring stuff that's like really uh, catchy and hooky into the mix while being real creative and never losing that uh, chaotic uh, vibe that they have some of the favorites on this album are tracks like when talking fails it's time for violence Uh, behind closed doors is another popular one Uh, voiceless choir is another like highlight on this thing weeping willow there's so many good tracks on this thing and if you're a fan of stuff that's uh fast aggressive but also in but does creative chaos like fast speedy chaos in a unique creative way wormwrot's hiss is an album to really look out in that vein uh halfway through the list now and we're on to album number five of july Uh, And that would be uh, the other American traditional heavy metal uh, band on this list that I have here called Iron Flame uh, with their new album, Where Madness Dwells. Now, compared to like the previous band I mentioned on this list, Celestial Wizard, uh, Iron Flame definitely goes the much more traditional route uh, as far as like the classic heavy metal sound is concerned. Uh, It definitely has that Iron Maiden-esque vibe. Uh, Has that not power metal y vibe, but just that like traditional uh, new wave of British heavy metal uh, sound and style amongst them. But they are an American band from, uh, with members from both uh, Eastern Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. The band started off as a solo project, they grew into a full band. Uh, They do a lot of like tours over in Europe, and they are. They basically do. They do like the traditional heavy metal sound, by the numbers. But they have it. They perform it to such a polished degree that they stand out from the pack, and this makes this album way better than it should be. There's so many good. There, the vocals are all completely melodic. There's no mixture of like death metally or growls or anything like that, and uh, it's not. It doesn't go into like the. Super cheesy uh, territory. There's a little bit of cheese, but it's done so well that you don't even feel the cheesiness in any of this. Of the tracks on this, uh, there's so many good hooks on this. Uh, Under the Spell, uh, Funeral Within, uh, A Curse Upon Mankind, The Phantom Flame. There's all these tracks are just like very fast, speedy, speed metal, thrashy uh, bangers like that are big like arena filling hooks all throughout. Uh it's only eight songs at 39 minutes, so it doesn't overstay its welcome. And the just the quality they packed into every single track on this album is pretty like entertaining and impressive. Uh, the band really should be a lot bigger than they currently are. And I'm surprised that uh they're not bigger. The this album came out in High Roller Records, which I believe is a smaller record label. If they were able to get onto a like bigger label, uh, I feel like they could spread their name a lot more, and they'd be a much more household name uh, amongst the modern metal crowd, similar to a haunt or uh, something along those lines. Uh, but Iron Flame, Where Madness Dwells, definitely a band to check out, uh, especially if you're a fan of the classic metal variety or just like... We just want a little melody in the metal. Everything can't be all screaming and growling and aggressive all the time at all times. Sometimes you need a little bit of levity, and that's what Iron Flame bring to the table for sure. Uh, getting to our top four albums of July right now, and number four is getting back into that nice dark death metal territory, modern death metal territory. Add to that, with uh, one of the leading bands of the modern wave of death metal, and that is Vomit Forth with their new album, Seething Malevolence. Uh, with this new record, Seething Malevolence, it's released via Century Media Records, great reputation Century Media has. Uh, this album it has the old school death metal groovy style of sound where they don't go overly technical uh, with their style, but they bring the riffs and the interesting thing with this is that you can tell that Vomit Forth is a death metal band uh, with a lot of hardcore influence in it. Uh, there is so much groove and chuggy breakdowns that you can karate in the pit to this style stuff while still uh, having the death metal like, bands love this album front to back. Most of the tracks on this record are pretty short, uh, a lot of them being like the two and a half minute to three minute range and it's really like there's so much groove and nastiness like it has a very like high tenny snare tone on on all these tracks uh, the grooves are worthy of like deathcore almost but without that uh, overly polished clean production a lot of modern deathcore has uh, this is a like death metal album through and through that's just straight nastiness front to back like from the first track past the like untitled intro song opener, when Eucharist Intact comes on, just the riffs for days. Every single song on this album, like every single one of this I had to my like weightlifting playlist that gets you hype, makes you want to like lift heavy shit, punch somebody in the face, get in the pit, and just cause havoc. Uh, and there's very few albums that come around that have that immediacy to it. Uh, that like immediate vibe that makes you like brings out the animal inside you and makes you want to mosh and thrash around like a wild man. Uh, Vomit forth, see the malevolence. Easily one of my favorite death metal records of this year so far. Uh, definitely one to watch. Now we're getting into our top three albums of this July of 2022, and I really like that most of the albums on this list that I have, and really, even in the honorable mentions, there's a lot of lesser-known bands and albums that are a part of this lineup this month. Uh, A lot more stuff that appeals to the underground and stuff that I get to share with all of you, like stuff that's off the beaten path and different from your usual uh, listening pleasures, probably. Uh, And that includes this next band, uh, my number three album of July 2022, is the latest record from a band called Funeral Chic uh, with their latest record called Roman Candle. Uh, I first heard of Funeral Chic with their, I believe it was their debut album. No, there wasn't even a debut album. It was their second album, seems like, uh, in 2018 called Superstition. I haven't gone back to listen to that album in full uh, since around that time, but I remember that it did make my top 20 or top 50 albums of 2018. Uh, when I was doing, I think I was still doing written reviews back then. And Feudal Chic made the list like they definitely were amongst the. Uh, They're more so along the lines of a band like Midnight, that crust punk, blackened punk rock, uh, black and roll style of sound. Uh, nice, like, down tuned guitars uh, with that crust punk. Like raw guitar tone, essentially metal guitar tones playing punk rock is essentially the idea with a little bit of like black metal atmosphere laying on top for some spice. And while it wasn't like my favorite album of the year, I still enjoyed it like pretty interesting, like right to the core off that uh, previous album, Superstition, uh, was my favorite there. And when they were coming out with the new record uh, this year, I was excited. I was expecting to hear more of the long nose lines, another. A helping of uh, crust punk bangers, but final Sheik decided to go creative and go in a different direction with this uh, latest record. Uh, on Roman Candle, it's it's very it's it's got a lot more creativity. It has a kind of a '90s alternative metal vibe on this one. Basically, a lot of mid-tempo songs with like a really quality hooks and songwriting on it. Uh, The tracks on its album, like, the vocal style is different. It kind of goes in this very raspy, almost like a Tom Waits-ish, like, whiskey-soaked, bluesy tone to the vocals, where you can, like, understand what all the vocals are saying, what the lyrics are, which hits home with a lot more, Uh, which I was like when you can have aggressive vocals that you can understand because it allows the heaviness uh, to be helped with some imagery in the lyrics because you can understand what the singer is trying to say. Uh, the first track I heard from this Roman Candle album was one of the latter tracks on the record that was released as a single called Last Line Blues. It's essentially a very, like, slow, plodding uh, blues metal track that has that, like, 12-bar blues chug and sound like dun, 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 dun something like that, uh, with, like, these super raspy Tom Waits-esque vocals laid on top of it. And really, this whole thing just has, like, a nasty, sludgy uh, vibe to it with a heavy dose of blues in their sound. It's essentially, like, a modern sludge metal take on, like, old, like, southern blues. And it's really an album that stands out. And it has still has that a little bit of that crust punk vibe. There's still a love of punk rock and crust punk on this album, but it's taken a backseat to this uh, creative forward thinking going this like kind of uh, '90s alt metal blues metal territory. Uh, it's very interesting. It stands out. Like some favorites are the title track "Roman Candle," uh, "Ain't Going Nowhere," "Last Line Blues." Spit and Crawl, Made in America, the opening track. Really, this whole album, front to back, is a banger. 10 songs, 36 minutes, doesn't overstay its welcome at all. And this is definitely one that stand out. If you're looking for something that sounds different, something that sounds different from most of the stuff that you have heard, uh, like in recent years in heavy music, this is one that will stand out for sure. Because it still has... Plenty of heaviness for you to latch onto, while having um interesting songwriting to it that will appeal to uh, a lot of the vest metal fans, the battle vest sludgy crowd that uh, is big in the underground these days. Uh, moving on to my number two album of July twenty twenty two. Uh, this is an album that, for a good while, I thought it was going to be my number one of the month. I already knew from the get-go that this album was going to be uh, probably one of my favorites of the month, if not one of my favorites of the year. And this really is one of my favorite records of the year. Uh, their band's previous album was in 2020. Yeah, 2020. Uh, it was number seven uh, with their previous album of my albums for that year. This one should rank pretty high for this year as well. And that is Oceans of Slumber's new record called Starlight and Ash. Uh, Oceans of Slumber, for those unaware, uh, their sound kind of goes in the kind of an interesting mixture of progressive metal and doom metal. Kind of like a uh, opeth of sorts with a much higher focus on the Uh, melodic vocal side of things the big draw with oceans of slumber is their lead vocalist cammy gilbert cammy gilbert has a very uh soulful tone to her vocal style it's sounds like very gospel inflected very uh r&b and blues inflected very strong powerful vocals she has a voice she's not just a singer who can sing she's one of those singers who can sing sing where she can sing the alphabet to you and you'll be enamored with her voice she's able to put forth so much emotion and like different tones to her voice and power and inflections that reach into your brain and is instantly captivating with every lyric that she delivers and with this new album they're trying to like they switched their style a bit. Like, they say that their new... With this album, they've gone into a more Southern Gothic style, is what they're claiming. Which, uh, for those unaware, Southern Gothic is kind of like... Uh, basically country and folk music for, like, goth kids, essentially. Uh, kind of the alternative country type of realm. But they don't really have that vibe overly strong on this record. They it really doesn't change their sound too much because even with their earlier records, which were of the doom metal, progressive metal, Opeth, Catatonia variety, uh, they always allowed the instrumental, even if there was like chug riffs, even if there was some ascent, uh, occasional uh, growly vocals in the mix. Cammy Gilbert's melodic, gothic-tinged vocal style was always the like main draw of their sound ever since she's joined a band with their second record and she's the star of the show, and they craft these wonderful atmospheric soundscapes over to lay her voice on top of. As far as, like, the southern gothic style uh, that they claim to have on this record, there's only a few songs in here that has that. There was a lead single uh, on this one called The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse has a very, like, kind of twangy, country blues guitar tone to it with like this kind of like stomp clap uh, instrumentation style that uh, gives that whole like southern gothic vibe to it. But most of this record is mostly just uh, it still has the dark heavy vibe but it's more heavy emotionally than instrumentally on this album. Uh, It's not, while the instrumentation is, like, really mainly acoustic in a lot of parts, you don't, it doesn't feel that way. It still has that very doomy, very gothic uh, vibe to the tracks. And with the quality songwriting and singing of Cami Gilbert laid over top, uh, there's, this whole album front to back is beautiful. Bringing Some of my favorite tracks in here are The Hanging Tree, which has, like, some nice atmospheric call and response vocals to it. Uh, the Lighthouse, the lead single, of course, was really good. They have a cover of House of the Rising Sun, uh, which, despite being one of the most overly covered tracks like in existence, they do a good rendition of that's still plenty enjoyable and fits this southern gothic vibe they're going for. Uh, and, like, But from the opening track, The Water's Rising, to closing track, The Shipbuilder's Sun, uh, Front to Back, Ocean of the Slumber have created another banger, and they're already a band of, like, growing popularity in the underground at least of metal and they really should be even more popular they really should be one of the leading bands i say uh in heavy music today and i feel like they're like slowly but surely growing their legend even more with this album they've been releasing non-stop bangers back to back for several years now ever since Cammie Gilbert joined in 2016 on their da- uh, sophomore album, Winter. Uh, this Houston, Texas band is definitely one to watch for. If you love old school Opeth, if you love Typo Negative, love Catatonia, Paradise Lost, uh, then this is a band for you that you cannot miss. This is definitely a band that you want to listen to and not miss at all. Highly recommended. One of my favorite albums of the year, for certain. So now that leaves the number one album of July 2022. And this is probably the biggest name I have on my top 10 list uh, because it's a name that many people should recognize. And that is Greg Pucciato with his latest album, uh, Mirror Cell. Uh, Greg Pucciato is uh, most, most famously known for his time as the lead singer in The Dillinger Escape Plan. With uh, who's known for their very chaotic and uh, aggressive math course style of music. But uh, ever since that band split apart, Greg Pucciato has been busy him, busying himself with his several other projects. Of course, he has his uh, new wave uh, kind of electronic project, The Black Queen, uh, that he's a part of. He also is part of the heavy metal supergroup. Uh, Killer Be Killed alongside members of Macedon, Soulfly, and Converge. Uh, but this is his second solo album released on his own label, Federal Prisoner, uh, called Mirror Cell. His first uh, solo record was in 2020, titled Child Soldier, Creator of God, which wasn't was a solid album. Uh, I enjoyed that record, but you could tell that. That record was all over the place as far as style. It didn't have a uh, concrete vision in mind. It was essentially, it seemed like this was the first time in a long while that Greg Pucciato was uh, left to his own devices and able to write an entire album uh, undeterred by like outside forces or anybody to rein him in. So he had sounds all over the place from Doom and Sludge to like purely The Black Queen-inspired electronic tracks, and there was several good tracks on that album, but as a whole, that album was weakened by not having a consistent vision and by being overly long. That album was over an hour long with 15 tracks on it, and it's that pretty much suffered from a lack of direction. But this latest album, Mirror Cell, is way more focused. It's a way tighter package. Uh... This one, it is only nine tracks long at 43 minutes, so it's a lot more digestible than Child Soldier was. On top of that, stylistically, Greg Pucciato goes into uh, very heavy grunge territory. Uh, I believe that he worked on a project with uh, Allison and Chains, uh, with Jerry Cantrell for a little bit. I uh, forget what the details of that collaboration was, but it seems that his work with Jerry Cantrell rubbed off on him in a very strong way on this album. Many of the heavier tracks on this album goes into a very, uh, grunge territory and not like the post grunge butt rock, any of that mess where it's just has a watered down version of grunge, but more of the pure Seattle sound, Alice in Chains inspired grunge, very heavy riffs with creative songwriting laid over top. Uh, no track is like more representative of that than the uh, the single uh, "No More Lives to Go," which has a very like very anthemic chorus. It's very like chuggy riffs, very guitar based, uh, and then he has like atmospheric uh, kind of grungy tracks like rambles Underground" and uh, "All Waves to Nothing," which is like very quality. Uh, but even with all that. Uh, he still has a little bit of his electronic sounds mixed in still, but he's done in a much more seamless way than he did on his previous album. For example, he has the uh, has this like kind of like the one that stands out the most as being electronic inspired is the track Lord, which is one of the singles on the album and also features uh, features a code Orange guitarist and vocalist Reba Myers. Uh, guessing on the track with her vocals, and they have a very nice uh, duet uh, on that with this more electronic-inspired track. It's very kind of like electronic, not quite new wavy, but it has that kind of electronic rock vibe. That's really uh, uh, it's very it's a nice like switch up from all of, like the heaviness on the record, uh, and it's pretty impressive on Reba Myers' uh, part too. Uh, you can tell her vocals have improved a whole lot in recent years, being able to be on a track going toe-to-toe with Greg Pucciato, who is well-known for his vocal abilities, both melodic and just as good of a melodic singer as he is with his screaming vocals as well. Uh, this whole track has like a lot of diversity on it, and a lot of diversity while being a lot more consistent. The quality is a lot higher. Another favorite on here is the track Never Wanted That, which is a bit of a uh, ballady atmospheric track it took me a few listens to get into, but it's very good. With it's uh, it's a like a love song uh, or like a more so a love a song about love with a uh, it's it's about like a relationship that's like going through turmoil. Uh, a lot of like heart wrenching lyrics in that uh, you can really feel the emotion in that one, and it's one of the favorites on this track on this whole album. Uh, Greg Pucciato seems to be finding a uh, better sense of direction of where he wants his solo material to go. Uh, He's reined himself in. He's figuring out how to make a cohesive record of his own that has a consistent vision while still being essentially him. And it's definitely, it's it's a quality album. Like this, I'm I'm very glad that Greg Pucciato's new solo material is living up to the reputation he's built with his Original Ben, his namesake, Dillinger Escape Plan, as well as the quality of his other side, his other projects like Killer Be Killed and The Black Queen. Uh, this is an album that you definitely should listen to. It's got a lot of accessibility to it while having plenty of artful creativity on it and easily deserving of the top spot for number one album of July. And it was definitely should be making another appearance on my top albums of 2022 list for sure. And with that, I say uh, that is the end of the top ten albums of July list here. Uh, if there's anything that I missed, uh, if there's any albums you think I missed or something that should have been ranked a little bit higher, uh, just leave a comment or drop a line over in the email uh, at theheavyhaystack at gmail.com. And I will read out your like comments and questions on the show here. And give my, like, two cents on it. Uh, And also, remember, if you want to have your music heard on a show and be a show sponsor, uh, you can just send a line to that uh, Gmail as well, theheavyhaystack at gmail.com. I believe that's it. You Make sure that you are keeping up with the show. I'm going to make sure to try to keep these episodes uh, at a much more consistent rate from now on. Uh, with the band schedule getting a little bit of a break, it should be a lot easier to do that. Uh, on the next episode, I should be talking about some of the new singles and new albums that came out uh, here at the start of August, which there weren't as many big-name releases uh, for this first week of August. Uh, there was Amana uh, Marth's new album, The Great Heathen Army. Uh, we got uh, Soulfly's new record, Totem Uh, psychoptic with divine counsel uh insane clown posse apparently released an ep not gonna review that uh not really my thing Uh, insane clown posse i'll listen to it and if there's something that's worth mentioning uh i will like mention it here on the show uh but i'm not expecting much i give my respect to insane clown posse and the juggalos for the community they've built but not really my type of music overall Uh, But I'll be talking about those new albums and the new singles probably together on the next episode since it's a much lighter week overall. Uh, But I think that's it. Uh, Thank you for listening in. You can follow me on all my socials, uh, on Facebook at The Heavy Haystack. Uh, Instagram is The Heavy Haystack as well. The Heavy Haystack on TikTok. Heavy underscore Haystack on Twitter. And there's also a YouTube channel which I should be uploading highlights from these podcast episodes up to soon. So I'd say until next time, make sure you're tuning in for all the future episodes of the Heavy Haystack Podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribed, leave a five-star rating so that this album or this podcast can be heard by more people. And I can be able to get these episodes out at a more regular pace. So until next time, peace, love, music, and And I shall see you all next time.